In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Yes, the word of God is living and effective today in my life and in yours. And that's the very reason why I'm offering this weekly podcast where I reflect upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. So now please join me on Faith Moments with Dina Marie as we break open the Word of God together, inviting His Word to change our lives forever. Welcome to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, a weekly podcast designed to ponder and to proclaim the Sunday Mass readings. We are now into the 25th week in ordinary time as we celebrate the 25th Sunday and some very powerful readings. In fact, as we listen to the word of God being proclaimed, I want to invite you to reflect upon the kingdom of God. I I really feel like that is part of the theme for these readings on this 25th Sunday in Ordinary Time. I want to begin with opening in prayer, and this is a prayer that I believe was in our Sunday Bulletin a couple of weeks ago for the Kelso and Longview churches, and just during this time, it's a very appropriate prayer. So let us pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Compassionate and loving Father, In the face of confusion and concern, impart to us the calm of your presence. In you, allow us to find hope and healing. Be with those who serve the sick and give them your caring hands. Be with those who lead and give them your spirit of wisdom. Be with those who have fallen ill and give them your comforting heart. Wrap your arms around our world and hold us in your love. Allow us at this time of trial to then serve as instruments of that love to all we meet. We ask this in your name. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, let's get into the readings. We are actually, as we hear about praying for God's wisdom, we will hear from the Book of Wisdom today. Also, we'll continue our reading from the letter of St. James, and we'll continue in the Gospel of Mark. We begin with the first reading, the Book of Wisdom, chapter 2, verses 12 and 17 through 20. The wicked say, let us beset the just one because he is obnoxious to us. He sets himself against our doings, reproaches us for transgressions of the law, and charges us with violations of our training. Let us see whether his words be true. Let us find out what will happen to him. For if the just one be the son of God, God will defend him and deliver him from the hand of his foes. With revilement and torture, let us put the just one to the test, that we may have proof of his gentleness and try his patience. Let us condemn him to a shameful death, for according to his own words, God will take care of him. The word of the Lord. The psalm comes from Psalm 54. The Lord upholds my life. 
The Lord upholds my life. O God, by your name, save me, and by your might, defend my cause. O God, hear my prayer. Hearken to the words of my mouth. The Lord upholds my life. For the haughty have risen up against me. The ruthless seek my life. They set not God before their eyes. The Lord upholds my life. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord sustains my life. Freely will I offer you sacrifice. I will praise your name, O God, for its goodness. The Lord upholds my life. A reading from the letter of James, chapter 3, verses 16 through 4, verses 16, and then chapter 4, verse 3. Beloved, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every foul practice. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure, then peaceable, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, without inconstancy or insincerity. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace for those who cultivate peace. Where do the wars and where do the conflicts among you come from? Is it not from your passions that make war within your members? You covet, but you do not possess. You kill and envy, but you cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not possess because you do not ask. You ask, but you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. The word of the Lord. A reading from the gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples left from there and began a journey through Galilee, but he did not wish anyone to know about it. He was teaching his disciples and telling them, the son of man is to be handed over to men and they will kill him. And three days after his death, the son of man will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to question him. They came to Capernaum, and once inside the house, he began to ask them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they remained silent. They had been discussing among themselves on the way who was the greatest. Then he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, if anyone wishes to be first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. Taking a child, he placed it in their midst and putting his arms around it, he said to them, whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So much is in all of these readings. And as I mentioned, as I opened this podcast, to think about the kingdom of God. And that is one of the themes, I think, that comes from this is Jesus 
continues to teach about the kingdom of God and, and continues to pull out of his disciples their focus on, on the world, on their own desires, on their own ideas of what is to be, and he continues to pull them back. Now, if you go into the book of Mark and we look a little bit behind what we just read, we read the, the final part of, well, not really, it's in the middle of chapter nine, but at the beginning of chapter nine of the gospel of Mark, we read the account of the transfiguration of Jesus. So Jesus and three of his top apostles are able to see uh, this, this transfiguration, this glorious uh, account of Jesus. And they, and they start to see something amazing, Elijah and Moses, and, and they have this encounter with getting a sense of who Jesus is. And then of course, there's two, we get to the second prediction of Jesus's suffering. There's also this amazing healing of a boy with a demon, and then they come into this particular part of the gospel, which is when they're uh, on their way through Galilee, and Jesus makes his second proclamation about his suffering. And so in this gospel, I'm sensing, and, and this was actually pointed out from Father Paul at All Saints Church, these three different lessons we'll hear from Jesus and experience in his teaching. One is this prediction of his suffering. This is emphasized as he's continuing to work with these apostles. He also explains what is the true meaning of greatness. And we hear this in the gospel proclaimed today. And then there's this prophetic action that Jesus takes. And I think that for me, there's some lessons to be learned and lessons to be applied in our daily lives if we choose to follow Jesus as a disciple. Jesus in his second time, what, what did we hear in the first time, which was last week's gospel, when Jesus proclaims that he's teaching his apostles that the son of man must suffer, he must be killed, he'll raise again on the third day. And Peter says, no, this can't be. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, you know, get behind me, those ways of Satan, those ways of thinking as man thinks. And so the first time he proclaims, and he wants to teach this important lesson of suffering, you know, Peter is, is put in his place. And here again, Jesus is teaching and he's making it evident in this reading. Let me get the scripture in front of me. Uh, the son of man is to be handed over and they will kill him. And three days after his death, the son of man will rise, you know, and, and the apostles Mark points out are still, they don't understand what he's saying. Because sometimes we know that Jesus announces, I will be teaching these particular things in parables. That doesn't seem to be the case here. So this prediction of Jesus' suffering is an important lesson that Jesus wants to get across to the apostles. And what do they do? They actually are distracting themselves. They start to talk about other things. And the other things are worldly things. In fact, they admit, well, they don't admit, but they're avoiding the question and the, the context of Jesus discussing suffering, his passion, and they're looking about who's going to be the greatest, who will accomplish the most, who will be prized the most amongst Jesus's apostles. And so they really avoid the reality of Jesus and go back into their own world. 
And, and Jesus really has this lesson and it leads right into the second thought that he's explaining to the apostles, this meaning of greatness that you need to think beyond your thoughts, that you need to start taking on the thoughts of man. And I just want to go back to the reading from wisdom, because in this reading from wisdom, and certainly many of you might think to our Lenten readings, when we hear, you know, let's trap him, let's put, let's put the good one aside. And of course, let's be set the judge, the just one, he is obnoxious to us. These, of course, are the different things we hear about all of the prophets, you know, all of the prophets, uh, all of the leaders want to beset them, want to reproach them, want to really um, kill them. Let's torture them. Um, and, and, if, and if he is the son of God, God will take care of them. And they're thinking as man thinks, they're thinking about their own glory, their own greatness. And that's the wicked. The wicked thinks in terms of the world, the wicked things of ways, what can I accomplish? And don't we even hear that from Satan who tests Jesus in the desert? You know, why don't you turn these stones to bread? You can do that. Why don't you jump off this precipice? You can do that. The angels will save you. Why don't you do these things for yourself? And even though God, yes, wants to take care of us, if we're asking for things, we hear that in, um, in the, the letter of James. If we ask wrongly and we spend those prayers, those requests, fulfilling our own passions, trying to have my own greatness, this is where we have problems. And that's where jealousy and self-ambition lead us down the wrong path, the wrong path to the world, the path to Satan, path to evil, the path to disorder and every foul practice. And so Jesus is, you know, wanting to lift these apostles up and he teaches them about greatness. He wants to teach this lesson to challenge them to change their mindset. Their mindset is still on this world. And he's really trying to get them to look up look up into the kingdom of God. And, and that's where we are to look. When we start to feel like there's a sense of foulness or fear or anxiety, look to the heavens, look to God, look to the kingdom of God for your answers. They're not going to be in this world. They're not going to be with the answers of men. And the kingdom of God is where we will get the correct answers. To be great doesn't mean to seek power or influence. And those that make decisions today in our governments, in our institutions, if they make those decisions to seek power and influence, they are not the leaders that we are to follow. One of the examples that uh, Father Sebastian over in Kathlamet this weekend talked about, he's from India and he's had time to, to see hands-on the life of Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and that her eyes were always on the other. And she looked at the other as she would look upon Jesus. And each other that she served 
was serving Jesus Christ. The most vulnerable, the most ill, the most poverty stricken, the most weak that she was able to pick up and serve, she was serving Jesus. And that's the greatest leader that we could ever follow is one that is following and serving Jesus Christ. Someone like a Mother Teresa is the greatest among us. We get another clue from the Gospel of Mark, and that is as he is approaching his apostles and he knows that they're still stuck in their old mindset of thinking. What were you saying along the way? He knows what they were saying along the way that they had been discussing who is the greatest. And so what does he do? He sat down and then he gave them this lesson. And of course, in the Jewish tradition, if a rabbi would sit, this would indicate a posture that I'm going to be giving you a lesson, an important lesson. And so the students of the rabbi would pay more attention or this would be an important um, posture to say, listen, there's something coming here that you really need to pay attention to. And so that sitting is giving the apostles, hopefully shaking them up a bit to say, stop this thinking that you're thinking in your minds on this world, your needs, your thoughts, it will lead to a foul practice. It will lead to disorder. If you only look at the here and now, at, at what you need. Think of my heavenly father. Think of my heavenly kingdom. Think that the greatest will be the one who is the greatest servant. And so what does he do? He, I was trying to imagine this. So he surrounds himself with the 12 because he calls the 12. Obviously this room in Capernaum, Maybe it is um, Peter's mother-in-law's house or a, a relative, but there's certainly more people in the home that Jesus is surrounding himself around those 12 apostles, but he takes a child. Somehow in the crowd, there is a child that he picks up and puts in the center. And so Jesus and the child are now in the center of the focus of the apostles. He places that child, the most vulnerable, the most innocent, the most pure individual in that group. And he says, whoever receives this child, this is why I picked this picture. Whoever rece receives this child, just like Mother Teresa going to the gutters and she finds the sickliest one who's been abandoned and tossed away and thrown away and treated like garbage. That's the greatest soul. Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And not only me, but you receive the one who sent me. Trying to get those apostles to look up, look up to my father in heaven. He is the one. He is the one that you are to serve. And you serve him by serving this little child the most vulnerable, the weakest in the womb, the elderly, the poor, the suffering. Those are the ones you are to serve. And you serve them, you serve me. The most vulnerable are the ones we are to protect, we are to defend. You're not a leader 
if you call upon the intentional killing of the most vulnerable, if you don't look at ways in which you can support mothers and fathers, families, that's not a leader. A leader is one that keeps Christ in the center, that keeps the vulnerable at the center and does everything they can to support and to uplift and to bring dignity to each and every human person at the moment of conception. You are not a leader if you don't recognize the innate value from God of that human person. Jesus is teaching us a big lesson, and he starts with the 12, the 12 apostles, to let them know that suffering is part of life. There's a reason for the suffering, and his suffering will cover all of us because it's the suffering that will lead to our salvation. Whoever receives one child, such as this, in my name, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but the one who sent me. As we ponder this week, and this week is a beautiful week in our seasons, for those of us in, um, in North America, we'll be entering into autumn and this beautiful change of seasons. I want to challenge you because I'm going to begin this tomorrow to take on a novena. And I'm going to do what I can to post a copy of this novena on my podcast. It's a novena to St. Michael, begins on September 20th and ends on September 28th. The Feast of the Archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, is on September 29th. And what it does each day of the novena is it takes one of the intercessions that's typically prayed on the chaplet of St. Michael. They're beautiful intercessions calling upon the um, intercession of our angels. And this was something that came to me just this weekend from our parish at St. Catherine's in Kathlamet, Washington. And so we are going to pray the novena to St. Michael, and we are going to ask for the intercession of all the angels, but particularly the archangels and St. Michael. So let's close this time in prayer and asking the aid of St. Michael, the archangel. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Have a fantastic week. Continue to look up to heaven. Remember the King of kingdom of God. Pray with me this novena to St. Michael. And until next week, have a great week. God bless you. You have been listening to Faith Moments with Dina Marie. Reflections upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. New podcast episodes are released weekly through the generous support of Mater Dei Radio. To learn more about Faith Moments with Dina Marie, visit me online at dinamarie.org. That's dinamarie.org. May you have a blessed week.